Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. On this episode of the Heat Check. Oh, baby. Oh, no. Our dubs. We gotta talk about them. There is sad news to report, ladies and gentlemen, about about a murder, about the death of a dynasty, and it falls on me, Trista Crick, to break the news. We also have the Kimmy of the Week, and he's barely 20. And then we have a special interview with Sports Illustrated's Robin Lundberg. So let's get right into it, Anthony. Drop that motherfucking beat that should be Rihanna. I don't relish in saying this. In fact, it downright hurts to put it in words. But I'm ready to finally make an announcement. The Warriors just might be cooked. This might be their funeral march. I said I'll say it. This team is absolutely washed. They are foobar, folks. Fucked up beyond all recognition. You may think this is me with my Chopin. He's being overly dramatic. Not our dub. I will explain clinically easily why this dynasty is officially dead. And like all dead bodies, like a detective on Fargo with a better accent, I have to find out who the real killer is. What is that? Fortunately, the murderer did it in broad daylight with the world watching. So who killed the warrior? I hate to say it, but the world watched the dynasty die on a random Friday night, I want to say, when Jokic led the Nuggets back to an 18-point deficit in the fourth quarter, and with two seconds left to go, he hit a 39-foot contested three to stun everyone, including Steph Curry. Steph Curry was eating his damn, chewing on his damn mouthpiece like he has stunned other people right in cold blood. A man who you would never think. A man who doesn't look like he has it in him. A man who looks like he's more interested. But on Sunday night, the corpse of the Warriors was resurrected only to get murdered again by the Toronto Raptors, blowing them out on their home court again by 15. You don't say not the Toronto Raptors, no. 
No, not the kill shot, RJ Barrett. He had 37. Golden State can't play any damn defense. Steph went two, two for 14. He went 0 for 9 from 3. Scotty Barnes was strapping that man, and no one else can score. No one else gives Steph the ability to operate. Not even a sliver of daylight on the court. Damn. 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 It's over. Back to the funeral march we go. Let's break it down some more. Let's start with Jonathan Kamingo. Kaminga, excuse me. He was the first domino. That's the domino Kaminga. That's how we got the Kamingo. Um, he started by pretending he did his best LeBron James impersonation. And he decided he was going to go leak his displeasure of his head coach. Excuse me. What? Uh, just to the media. Just, hey, I am not happy with how I am being used. My role fucking sucks. And I have no faith in this coach to develop me to a reasonable level of where I should be. That is horrible. I mean, he went straight to athletic, went straight to Shams Ron, and was like, hey, I got some things to say about Steve Kerr. <laughs> Kerr responded saying that he's the most accessible coach in the league. If you got a problem with me, you better come and say it to my fucking face. Come say it. The next domino happened before the first domino, and that was the diagnosis of Chris Paul breaking his goddamn hand. He's been okay for the Warriors. He's been okay. He's a player, though, making $30 million a year for them and is now going to be out four to six weeks. Woj is reporting his injury won't stop other teams from taking him on a trade. And guess what, baby? All the folks that I know in our dub circle, they think that Chris Paul has played his last game in a Warriors uniform. That right there is another domino. And next up, another domino is Moses Moody. He must have heard of the leaked news because uh, the reps are saying that they are also unhappy with what Moses Moody has got going on with them. He's getting multiple DMPs, getting next to no minutes when he does play. Here's what's being reported. This came out right before Jonathan Kaminga, but there's these things are getting louder and louder as we go. Uh, Warriors GM Mike Dunleavy Jr. has been asked directly about the organization's plan for Moses Moody with the intention of finding him a more consistent role. Basically, hey, uh, are you guys going to do anything with Moses? Like, is there any specific thought into what he has uh, and his role on this team? And the answer is no. Like the answer is that Moses Moody is being squeezed out, really. Anytime a player plays well, we'll just give their minutes, uh, give them Moses Moody's minutes. At this point, it's important also to look long-term at the causation of this disaster, and that's the two timelines. That's just the two timelines. Golden State drafted three young guns who were supposed to develop along the core, and guess what? They didn't. It was it was just not a possibility. Wiseman, Kaminga, and Moody. And now their number two quote-unquote generational pick was a generational whiff. While their other two lottery picks are, as I've said, very unhappy. Very unhappy with their role, very unhappy with the coaching, very unhappy with the rotations, and oh, by the way, are going to be restricted free agents next year. Not much incentive to stay except for the fact that the Bay is such a beautiful place. Just great food, great women, bad roles, bad rotations. In a toxic situation. Lots of teams are interested in them on their upside. 
Meanwhile, I'm the, I am currently watching Bob Myers on television talk about all the players that he has passed on as a GM of the Golden State Warriors. I heard him talk about why he passed on Halliburton. I, talked about, I heard him talk about why he passed on LaMelo Ball, Franz Wagner, Dalborn Shangoon. It's getting fucking ridiculous here. What is this show? Is it just you talking about all your mistakes you have to atone for every time you do a Warriors game? Because I don't want to hear all that. And I don't think other longtime Dubs fans want to hear all that either. And guess what? Also, Draymond's suspension is now over. He will need a week to get back into shape. Imagine being out for so long via suspension because you cannot keep your hands to yourself. That you need a ramp up period to get back onto the court. You need a mini camp to get back onto the court and be able to be informed. That's awesome. Let Tend Dental make your dream smile a reality. We offer a variety of top-rated treatments, including Invisalign aligners. And for a limited time, Tend is offering $750 off orthodontic treatments. Offer valid through January 31st, so don't wait. Visit hellotend.com slash sale. That's hellotend.com slash sale. And book your free consult today. Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives we're consumed by all the what if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun if you're like us then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass or play call each week on alternate routes we'll take a flashpoint in sports break down what actually happened then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused follow alternate routes on the wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts you can listen early and ad free right now by joining wondery plus Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And we know that Golden State, we know that. We've been known that. The last 32 games, Draymond has played in one of them. There's 16 and 16. 500 when Draymond is You know what their record is? You know what their record is in the last 24 games when Draymond has missed? 12 and 12. So it doesn't matter if Draymond goes morale for Steph. To be honest, it's just Steph that he's the morale for. He's just not an impactful player right now. So you got two young guns who are disrespectful. You got Raymond Green, your transcendent small ball five who changes the way that you guys play basketball. He's not impactful at all. What about the rest? Clay Thompson. Clay Thompson is such a bad vibe 
wet blanket right now. He had to keep her, walk him into his office and be like, yo, can you stop all this bullshit? Can you get yourself into a right headspace? Because you're playing not just for yourself, you're playing for a team. And yeah, we know that your personal accolades right now aren't where you want them to be. But guess what? Yeah, yet who major injuries and you're still playing basketball and you won four rings. So maybe you should just, I don't know, like have an attitude adjustment. Uh, Cause he's visibly pouting during games on the court. Clay has been largely terrible in his last seven games. He's averaged 15, two and which is below obviously his career. average. Despite being tonight or last night, depending on when you're listening to this hot as fuck against Toronto, but he's been playing. He's been a cone. He's been just an absolute fucking cone. Andrew Wiggins, another starter, has been a disaster. He's got 119.6. His stat line is 12 points per game. Hold on. Let me just go back. 119.6 defensive rating is like Trey Young levels of bad. And this is a guy that you have to strap other guys. That's his main role. Yeah, like he can score, but he's supposed to strap up dudes and get rebounds. 12 points per game, 42% from the field. 42% from the field, 30% from three, and 69% nice from the free throw line. He had three points against the Raptors. He was a game high, really a game low, negative 29 in 17 minutes. And also, I think it's really funny that um, Kaminga went out and said, like, why can't me and Moody, or why can't me and Wiggins play together? Why can't we? This is why. Like, you guys are absolutely unplayable together. And Steve Kerr, chestnut checkers, was like, let me just show you. I'll just, I'll just show the world why I'm not coaching by committee based off of what Jonathan, who, by the way, I just never can get it out of my mind that he took the trophy back to Africa when he was supposed to be back at the Warriors facility. He literally left transcontinental with the trophy. That's the kind of guy that Kaminga is. We don't want him making decisions about his rotations at all. Let's go back to the starters. Devon Looney, he was so good during the championship run. He was really good in the first round of the playoffs last year. Against the Kings, I watched him dominate. He's the shadow right now. His scoring, his rebounding are both down 25%. His defensive rating has ballooned over one point. I'm telling you, his defensive rating has ballooned to 114. And then I'll go back. And he begins 119. And provide calm, poise, this demeanor be able to handle the rock in crunch time. Because why? Because Jordan Poole could never do that. He was a fucking brain wreck turnover-wise. So you're like, oh, let's let's flip the pendulum another way. Let's get a guy who's got some of the slowest pace to play in the NBA. Him making $30 million a year. That not just injured, but he's fully He's fully been on the barbecue for three years. He's currently averaging nine four and seven. That line efficiency is not Chris Paul on this team, can we just say for a second how bad that decision was? That made no 
you had to jettison Jordan Poole, by the way, as I don't really understand. Warriors. Like, you need to get rid of that. If you trade it to four guys, it's been absolutely hibachi. Like, 36 straight. Like, it was, he was not good when I went viral for something. That's how, I, that's like literally one full contract in the in the middle of my former The question isn't just bad how, how bad this team is right now. It's like really what, how they solve What are the options to try to salvage this? A marginal trade for a disgruntled star? I don't like a guy who's probably wanting $40 million a year and is 30 years old and Pascal Siakam? Like, no. And you're not going to include Kaminga in that trade anyway. So that means Masai Ujiri is going to say thank you, no thank you. Trade CP3 for a player like Zach Levine? Zach Levine... We know he's not a winning player, but he can get you some buckets. So you're back to the Jordan Poole sort of like model. No shade to Jordan Poole or to Zach Levine or comparing them, but like that's the kind of ilk that he is. That probably is making them dangerous to win maybe a first round series like last year. But neither trade is any fix. What's the other option to blow it up completely? Let's be real. That's not happening. But let's go through it. You trade Clay, you trade Draymond, you trade Wiggins. And it, which means if you're a rational person, that means Curry's going to be like Dipset. I'm out of here. I'm not fucking waiting around for this shell of a place to turn. You rip out the entire garden and you want me to stick around. That means he's, he's gone. So you can't do that. So rock the Howard Dubs fans, as we know, we've had it good. We've had it good. But it, it, at some point, the piper must be paid. And if you look at the current contract status of this roster, I don't know how you can be confident in any He has three more years and a player option at 85. Draymond, three more years, one player option. Still two years, $116 million. Barry Payton, one year, nine mil. Kaminga's on a one-year deal. He's a restricted free agent. Moody, one more year left, $5.8 million. Kavon Looney. One year, eight million. Clay's on an expiring deal. He's an unrestricted free agent. He's probably deucing. Chris Paul, he's getting traded at the deadline. So the only players you really have under contract more than one year are Draymond Wiggins and Steph. Ugh, not good. Not great, Mr. Dunleavy. Not great. And I said this back when uh, Bob Myers pulled the report in the state, pulled the state, like, hey, we should probably look into this. We should probably make some sort of meaning out of that decision because it's usually the architect of the disaster who jumps into a lifeboat first. They know when it's coming, how it's going. They designed it. And it's pretty telling to another analogy when a CEO of a seemingly successful company finally just decides, I'm going to cash in my stock options. I'm going to just spend some time thinking and working with family. And like Bob Myers was like, oh yeah, I just want to spend more time with my family. But then all of a sudden he's on ESPN, like NBA countdown every night. So what does Bob Myers know that we don't know? He saw that the building was about to collapse and he was like, I am fucking out of here. First Myers, probably now Steve Kerr, very unlikely, fully back, I would imagine. Who 
may not survive the year the way that things are going. Reddit is trying to get you. They've got their Charlotte's multi-courses out. And they haven't had those since the Trump administration. Who might be next to jump off the Titanic into a lifeboat? Who? Who, I wonder. Why? I tell you what, we can really truly now say there are not any right back to course. And to that I say We're moving on. It's Monday. Do you know what time it is? It's time for the Hemi of the Week. He is I and I am him. Slim with the tilted brim. He's him. This man is not slim. This man is a fucking unit. Pause. This week, there were a ton of players taking the field. Could have taken Anthony Davis, for example. I know that Anthony Davis is playing well, and the rest of the team is a steaming pile of dogs. But it's not Anthony Davis. Let's not blame him. This is the only time, probably in Laker history, that Anthony Davis has been on the team that you cannot blame him. 30, 12, and 5. With 59% from the field. Nearly five stocks, stocks, stocks. That steals and blocks. Five of them per game. In the last week, incredible stats. The problem, though, the Lakers are one and five in that. So no Hemi for Anthony Davis. Another guy that I was looking at closely, I'll begrudgingly for Hemi, is Luca. In his last six games, he's averaged 38, 8, and 10 on 50, 41, and 82. Ooh, 82. Oh, I don't love it. With 2.9 stocks, great defensive numbers for a guy who is usually a turnstile. And the issue, though, He's already missed the entire time period, including the one against Portland. So we will wait. If he's healthy, give him a Hemi. This week, the Hemi goes to Paolo Banchero. In his last five games, Paolo has averaged, you will not believe it. In the second year, you can't believe it. Insane. 32, 9, and 7 on 46. 42-78. This man, Paolo Bancaro, cannot jump any higher than a deck of cards, and he is averaging 42%. It's happened, folks. Paolo was head and shoulders better than any rookie last year, but he's now broken through the ceiling. This is a superstar. I said it when I saw him in real life. This guy is unlike any human being I've ever seen with my own two eyes. And he is now shooting threes for the first time in his NBA career, which I can feel might come, pause, at the when he played for Duke. The previous 12 games, he was shot three threes a game, and now he's shooting seven threes per game, making them at a paltry 30%. He is nearly shooting 20% more shots per game, and he is shooting 42% from three. That confidence from deep, you can't stop him now. If he's shooting from three at a high clip, you're, I don't know what you do with that. The best part, though, is that the Magic are really good. They are currently half game behind the Olympic Miami Heat. And the rumor is that they want to bring in a veteran presence with Malcolm Brogdon, as if they need more guards. They do not. To help babysit, we're absolutely painful. They've got matches, and they are going to set things on fire. That's how dangerous they are. Also, uh, in their OT win over the Hawks on Sunday, Caleb Houston, who's been, I don't know, nowhere, he had some nice little threes in the summer league. He is now getting his first start of the career 
What did he do? 25 is good. Casual. The magic are scary. They are very They are very and Paolo is the unquestioned leader. Love this for Paolo. Love this for the league. And he is just only showing what he can do. So is I and I and him. Slim with the tilted brim. He's him. We end the show with a special interview with Sports Illustrated's Robin Lumberg. Robin joined my show tonight, which airs 7 to 11 Eastern Standard Time, Monday through Friday. I was joined by my co-host, Nick Ashton. And my friend, that little motherfucker, PJ Glasser, let's listen in. Very few people in the league see it like Rob. When you see this, when you hear these stories, do you look at this and say, okay, it's a team that's struggling a little bit and this is what's coming out? Or does it feel like it's maybe something bigger like the Darvin Ham era is crazy enough already unraveling in L.A.? Well, I mean, look, they won the in-season tournament. There's right. a banner and everything. So why are we worried <laughs> about this right now? Uh, you know, I said it. At the time, and I was only half joking, that LeBron and the Lakers need to go as hard as they possibly can for the in-season tournament because, you know, they are their roster is not that talented from top to bottom when you look at it. They really don't have shooting. They've got Torian Prince playing minutes, guys like that out there playing minutes. LeBron is the oldest player in the league. Anthony Davis, you know, has the street clothes meme going on for him. So counting on those guys... To not only be healthy in the playoffs is enough, but also counting on the rest of that talent around them being enough is too much. So I really did think going for the in-season tournament was a really good idea for them. But yeah, I mean, I think once you start seeing stuff like this from Shams and the like, there is is smoke to that fire. They've been in a bit of a tailspin. And we all know the coach is always the easy scapegoat. You know, um, Rob Lowe, I mean, Rob Flinka ain't going to get canned, you know, in the, in the middle of the season right now. So it, it's it, it clearly there's some disconnect, some discontent going on with that team. I mean, it goes back to Austin Reeves and even reports of him having friction with, with Darvin Ham. And he's probably the third best player on that team. So, yeah, I think uh, the, the Lakers do have legitimate issues and roster construction aside from rotation is one of them. Yeah, I think Jeannie is a big part of that, too, unfortunately, hiring a lot of her friends. I know Linda Rambis is, like, making calls, and, like, I think she was a Laker girl back in, like, the Showtime era, (laughs) and then her and Kurt just kind of hung around. Uh, Emmanuel, quickly, though, near and dear to my heart, sixth man of the year candidate. He probably should have won it last year. He goes to Toronto Probably going to get the absolute bag. He goes crazy in his starting role, 26 points. How do you think he and RJ affect Toronto moving forward? Well, quickly needed that sort of change in scenery, I think, because of the the conflict with Brunson. I mean, through no fault of his own, those two guys just play the same position. And Brunson is really good. You know, Brunson, aside from his height, um, it doesn't really get enough credit for what he's actually done with the Knicks and in the league at this point. So quickly was never going to get all the way off the leash with the Knicks just because of that position fit and the fact that you couldn't play those two guys together. So I I like that, that look for Toronto there. RJ Barrett was never that much of an impact player for the Knicks, but maybe back home in Canada, he played well for the national team as well. You know, it's just the kind of thing, perhaps a change of scenery, less expectations will help him out. So Toronto was going really nowhere. There, there was no reason for them not to, to take a swing at something that could stick. Um, and, and it looks so far like the, the move has been a good fit. 
And then on the other side, Robin, I mean, from the Knicks perspective, did you like them trading for OG? And then do you think like the Knicks finally have enough now for them to go out in the offseason and attract one of these big free agents? You know, I, I think I, I like the move quite a bit, actually, because like I just said, that they, they needed that wing position. Mm -hmm. They had quickly giving them a glut at, the, at that guard spot. Now maybe they need a, a backup there. I think they could use an upgrade at, at shooting guard. But they had Brunson. They had Randall, OJ. OG goes in between, and, and that's a good fit for them. As far as a big star, I mean, we're so caught. We're almost like trained with muscle memory to do these same exercises in the NBA. <laughs> Yo, they need to get the guy. They got to go get the guy to make the move. I, I don't know if that's the way that the league is constructed anymore. Every super team that's put together fails now. Yes. You know, everyone falls apart at the seams. We're already, like, talking about the demise of the Phoenix Suns. They were just put together. So I, I don't think we're in that era anymore. In fact, I think one thing – I mean, look at the odds right, right there on, on my screen. Look how close and bunched up a lot of those teams are. None of those are super teams per se. I mean, obviously, Milwaukee now has Giannis and Dame. The Celtics have a bunch of guys. But the, the Heat were in the finals a year ago. No one's calling them a super team. Plus 1,500 looks pretty good to me, um, <laughs> <laughs> given their recent history. So I think the NBA has done a good job at developing parity in a certain sense where it, we're now in a world where the Oklahoma City Thunder are all of a sudden contenders. The Minnesota Timberwolves are all of a sudden contenders. You you're probably could list off six, eight teams who realistically – could at least be in the mix. So I don't think the Knicks have to go out there and land the biggest fish possible. I think they have to continue to build on their roster and improve their personnel because they aren't that far away. I mean, the Heat I just mentioned were in the finals last year. The Knicks went six games with them last season without these moves. So I think if they keep making those moves around the margins. They could be right in the mix. Yeah, where do the Knicks stack up to you then? I, I mean, we we, we we haven't seen much, obviously, with this new roster and the way that it's constructed yet. But the East, I mean, I'm looking here. We got the Magic, the Cavs, and the Knicks all sitting there at 19 and 15. And again, look, we got a long season ahead of us. The Magic could fall off, although we've all sat here and talked about how much we like the Magic coming into the season anyway. So fingers crossed it doesn't happen. You know, we've got a few bets on that division winner. But like, I just it feels like right now we haven't gotten to the point where a lot of teams have truly separated themselves besides maybe a Boston, but we found moments where Boston's incredibly frustrating too. Like I, I kind of feel like the Knicks are in a spot where they could easily climb back up to like maybe a, the, around like the four spot, maybe surpass the Pacers because they're kind of up and down. It's just, everything feels very, very wide open right now. Yeah, I mean, that was what I was just saying. I, I think the Knicks are probably the fifth best team in the conference. You know, looking at it on, on paper, given the heat, mm -hmm. the, the pedigree points, um, given Boston and Milwaukee the edge, and then Phillies look really good. That's another team, sneaky team around the deadline. You know, Daryl Morey's always been very aggressive. One move could really put the Sixers over the top, though. I'm, you know, I'm not a big believer in Embiid when it comes to the postseason just because he's usually broken down around that point in time, and, and he doesn't get the, the same calls. A generational flopper for a big man. <laughs> um, but, you know, when the, when the reffing gets a little tighter, but, I, yeah, I'd say the Knicks are, are right in that, that group of teams. Again, they were, they were there last year. My stock line used to be that the Knicks have won one playoff series since I graduated from high school. That is no longer <laughs> true because they won a playoff series a year ago. Uh, so that's now two playoff series since I graduated from high school. And if they could win a playoff series, who's to say they can't win two with a slight improvement like they just made? I, I wouldn't be shocked if the Knicks are in the Eastern Conference Finals. Especially now that they have some guys, or at least a guy in OG and an OB, who's a really good 
corner catch-and-shoot three-point shooter. We saw what happened against the Miami Heat when they stopped being able to score from deep. They just packed the paint on them. I I do want to get your thoughts on the Brooklyn Nets. And I know it's not a sexy team to talk about, but they're fascinating because they're hanging around. They they have reasons to compete. I mean, you would imagine they don't own their own draft picks due to the trades that they've made. And yet they seem already to be punting on the season especially that game right around the Christmas break against Milwaukee where Jacques Vaughn sat everyone for absolutely no reason against a packed house. That was the move a contender makes, which was strange. You know, the reason that's, that game stood out was Mikhail Bridges. The, that w- game would not have been talked about the same way if it wasn't for Bridges' streak because we see teams rest guys all the time. Now, usually it is a team that plans to be playing late into the spring and, and into the early summer, and, and that's not going to be the Brooklyn Nets. But they, they sat everybody but Cam Thomas and Bridges. Bridges obviously played because of his streak and then didn't go back into the game. That was what was so curious about it and really so infuriating if you're rooting for the team because it was a winnable game. And, and then it's hard for Jacques Vaughn to get up there and go, you know, we got to dive on the floor. We got to make all these hustle plays when you totally give up on a game. So I, I don't think they, they're punting the, the season because of that. I, I think they were expecting to then win the next game against the Wizards, but their season has gone to a tailspin since then. They haven't won a game since then. They lost to the, the Wizards, who obviously they should beat. They they lost to the Rockets last. They look lifeless. They look soulless right now, and they're stuck in a nebulous area because, like you said, Trista, they, they don't have their own draft pick, so there's no incentive to tank right now. At the same time, they're clearly not contenders, and their best assets are down the line. Like, I really... I'm a fan of the Kevin Durant trade, all, all things considered. Once, you know, once that red button is pushed, you know, you, you're forced into making a move. I thought they did as well as you possibly could, getting Bridges and Johnson back, not to mention four first-round picks, uh, pick swaps, wh- whatever the, the rest of that, that package was. And if you look at the way Phoenix is constructed, very good chance they are bad when those picks come due. But they're still um, paying the, the debt on the Harden trade to Houston. They owe their pick to Houston this year. So you make the argument, I suppose, sell off everything and just try to get as many assets back, but that's probably not helping you in the short term. I think most likely they're keeping what they consider their core pieces, the the twins. I I don't know what the organization thinks about Cam Thomas because he's weirdly been jerked around where he's He's you know, not starting, then he's starting, then he's not starting, then he's getting pulled after struggling a little bit, when really you should be developing somebody like him um, over Spencer Dinwiddie, I guess, even though you know Thomas has his flaws, but maybe they view him as a, a trade chip. I'm curious to see where they go, if they, they make a desperate move at the deadline, or if they make more like marginal moves, like trading Dinwiddie, who's an expiring, trading Claxton, who's an expiring, trading guys like Royce O'Neal and Dorian Finney-Smith who might have value to contenders and not value to them right now and, and still trying to build around those guys who are in their late 20s on good contracts. Rob, what about the Grizzlies? Obviously now with John Morant back, they're playing a lot better. They're five and a half games behind the Lakers for that 10 seed in the play-in game if, if that were to happen today. I think the tough thing with the Grizzlies for me, it's like if they end up making like a nine or 10 seed, like who's the team 
that they would replace. But do you think maybe they're worth a bet long term with Job back now in the fold? Hold on, I gotta check my receipts and see what they say. You know, I keep them. Um, I still don't know what John Morant was talking about. Did anybody ever say he wasn't a good basketball player? Like, I don't know, like what the, the case was. It, it's tough in the West and with all those teams bunched up when you start in that kind of hole. Now the the play-in tournament changes the whole game in a sense because we were just talking about the nets and the nets are what five games under 500 right now but still in the play-in tournament right so your your uh your life raft is is a lot uh, longer nowadays it's it's not like uh leonardo DiCaprio from the the titanic you're <laughs> not getting kicked off that sink into the bottom of the ocean you can hang on and cling on for longer but i i think that the grizzlies started in a little bit too much of a hole um, to to really get up there with it. Uh, got about a minute or so left here. We were talking about the Warriors earlier, 16 and 17. Draymond's going to be back with them soon. I mean, uh, clearly they've they've gotten older. This is what happens with great teams. It's just the way the NBA works. Are they still a playoff team in your eyes? Are they just a play-in team in your eyes at this point? Because I feel like it's still really hard to write them off just given the history of this team. Yeah, I think they're right on that bubble, <clears throat> 7, 8, 9, 10. Um, it, but Steph Curry is, you know, it's funny, all the Steph-LeBron talk over the years, because now Curry is in the position LeBron was once in, where he's actually, of all the superstars in the league, probably asked to do more than anybody else when it comes to singularly carrying a team. Klay Thompson's not the same player he once was. Draymond Green can't stop choking people or, you know, <laughs> doing whatever he's doing to, to get himself suspended. Um, you've got, who else is on? Wiggins was benched. I mean, they got, you know, Kaminga guys, little nice pieces, but they don't have another scorer, really. They don't have consistent secondary production point second third production point wise a lot of that's coming from Steph so I, I really just don't think they have the horses anymore to get it done yeah it's crazy but it, all all good things come to an end in the NBA as we've seen Robin Lundberg SI now appreciate thanks, the time brother. man thanks for coming on you got it you remember everybody who talks about Michael Jordan never losing when his dynasty ended he quit to go play baseball exactly he, <laughs> he dodged he dodged all the criticism he knew he knew what the damn legacy was going to be it's a smart move thanks Running Robin from the grind. <laughs> he, he did he played baseball came back team was good again and then you know what like nobody ever talks about Jordan and the Wizards by the way Let, let's let's just bring that up I remember those days. Calvin Johnson balling. Yeah. Yeah, he's having he's having himself a night. I I watched the Spurs and I'm like, why aren't they better? Like they have some talent. It's 93 all. I got you, Tristan. He's on a nationally televised game. Going after Giannis. It's Ben FGM tonight. That's all the time that we have for the Heat Tech. Thanks to Robin and the gang at BetMGM tonight. Come back tomorrow for an all-new episode, the rookie report, and check out the feed for past episodes. And many episodes which drop unexpectedly, like your new neighbors stopping by out of nowhere or me stopping by their house out of nowhere. We don't forget to follow the heat check as we navigate the new NBA season. It's not really new anymore. That means download, subscribe, please tell your friends, everyone, enemies, neighbors, slightly neighbors, even the guy on Facebook selling a couch cannot get to his storage facility until right before your show starts. Tell him, hey, you know you're late. For work with go and listen to this podcast and it follow us on social at this chicken at Trisha Crick on Instagram.